You are listening to a sermon from Mission Point St. John. We hope this message encourages a deeper connection between you and Jesus, our Savior. Psalms 42, verse 1. As the deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, O God. I thirst for God, the living God, and when can I go and stand before him? Day and night I have only tears for food, while my enemies continually taunt me, saying, Where is this God of yours? My heart is breaking as I remember how it used to be. Let's pray. Hallelujah. Father, I love you and I thank you for the sweet, sweet anointing of God that's in this place, in this room. Capture every heart, mind, body, soul, spirit. Help us, Lord. Lord, to ignite the hunger in each of us to know you, to walk with you. If we're here for the first time or it's been 50 years, it matters not. Lord, help us to go into that holy of holies, that special place of intimacy with you. Change us today. Change us today in Jesus' name. Can we worship him? Just lift your hands, your heart. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, if you're on live stream, just reach towards the Lord in your living room, in your bedroom. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Wonderful Counselor, Prince of Peace, Mighty God, we want to know you. We want to walk with you. Speak with us today, Lord. Speak with us today, Lord. Speak with us today, Lord Jesus. Lead us by your Spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You can be seated. The message title is, I Miss Eden. I Miss Eden. And in the scripture, it talks about the deer. And it's when you look up deer and scent and water, hunting instructions come up. And I'm sorry, I'm not a hunter. But hunters tell you that deer have an incredible sense of water. And if you can just find water you'll find deer because they have a vulnerability. It's like something gets shut off in their brains, you know, when they sense water. They said you can shoot a deer in the brain, and technically he's brain dead, yet if before his brain death he sensed water, that he may still be able to run even though he has no ability to think. There's some deeper part of him, that instinct, that he has scented water or smells water. And as the deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, O God. It's it's deeper than can be explained by intellect or by the mind. It goes to that deep place that we all have. Amen? There's a deeper place beyond the brain. Science have discovered it, 
uh, in your intestinal areas. You thought this was fat. This is this is smart. This, but inside of your gut area, there's thought processes that take place. We know that it's the spirit. The Bible is the spirit of a man, meaning mankind. Uh, is the candle of the Lord, right? And so in your deep, deep place of your human spirit, there's thought processes. And verse 2 said, I thirst for God. Are you hungry for Him today? Are you hungry for Him today? Amen. Then right where you're sitting, why don't you reach your hand towards Him and just from your spirit begin to hunger after God. I'm hungry for you, Jesus. For the moving of your spirit, Lord. For the power of God. Amen. In How many has ever heard of the monarch butterfly? You better, you're a Canadian, and we have to have some things to be proud of. And the monarch butterfly originates in Canada, but it wants to go, like most of us, south for the winter. And so the monarch butterfly... All across Canada, apparently, at basically the same time on the same day, rise up and head south. And one year later, the monarch butterfly arrives back at exactly the same place that butterfly left one year later. How many ever heard that story before? A few people, right? Well, that's not the story. That's just the introductory that's cool, but it's not nearly as cool as this. you got to catch this. The monarch butterfly only lives between two and a half and three months old. Okay? So some of you are already picking up on this, that the monarch butterfly leaves Canada, goes south, even as far as Mexico and California. A year later arrives back at exactly the spot the butterfly left a year later, but the butterfly only lives for three months. That means, that means the butterfly that returns to the exact same location is the fourth generation butterfly. <laughs> fourth generation butterfly. So, butterfly leaves and goes south somewhere on the journey or at their arrival point dies having birth uh, another generation that generation rises up then dies birthing another and then the third generation heads north and the fourth generation arrives back at exactly the same spot that great 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 grandparents left and so this is a big study, and it should be, because that's mind-blowing. So science studies this big time, and they argue about it because they just can't figure it out. How can they remember, how can they convey to one generation to the other, and they come back? I mean, I can't remember anything. My brother's a truck driver, Mel, he's a preacher, but he's really a truck driver at heart. He's like, no, 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 no. He's preached here. You know what I'm talking about. He's like, no, no, Alan, the, the, I, the I-95 and then, you know, the, hey, Mel, you know what I'm talking about. 
He's like, you know, and then you get off there and the exit number three. And I'm like, I'm not a truck driver, but I do have GPS. Right? But the, the, the butterfly does not have GPS and doesn't have mile markers. And there's no PowerPoint, no media display. They don't write or read instructions. How do they convey the incredible level of instructions that would be needed to get all the way down there, hundreds of kilometers, and all the way back, four generations apart. And they come up with something really cool. They said they don't tell it, and then the next generation knows it. It doesn't happen like that. Their brain is too small. They can't do it that way. They can't uh, learn the instructions mentally and then decipher them or write them down but they call it an inherited trait an inherited trait so think about it that somehow in the dna of the butterfly is there's this connection between its past and there is this instinct this knowledge this uh, uh, genetic inherited memory of where I used to be. Well, not me, but my great, great, great grandpa. There's this incredible thing inside of that butterfly that said, it, they call it an inherited map. It's like I got this, I need, I need to go left and then I need to go over this canyon and I need to cross this river and I don't know why. I don't know why, but it's just in me to do this. It's just in me to do this. There is this hunger, this desire to go back. I, I miss Robert, Robert James. He's my brother, but I never met him. And you think, okay, there's seven of us. That's enough. As a matter of fact, a lot of people think that's too much if they know us. There's seven of us, and that's enough. No, I miss Robert because he passed away. Now, he passed away before I was born. <laughs> uh, I know, I know it's crazy, but I miss him. I'll be driving my car, and I'll be thinking, Is he lo does he look like Melvin or Jerry or Brent or more like me? I wonder if he's more like me. I wonder what he's like. And I miss what I've never had. Amen? Because his DNA is, was, was my, is my DNA. We're brothers. You know what I'm saying? So there's this connection that we have. I had it in Scotland because um, our, our ancestors come from the Loch Lomond area. And they're along that coastline and and uh, walked into an old church building that was built by my ancestors and just felt like, wow, it did really in some weird way feel like I've come home. And there is this genetic memory that's in each of us. There's something inside of us that's deeper than the deer chasing water and deeper than the butterfly coming home to Canada. Amen. Because we were created 
by God in the Garden of Eden for God. And so in each cell, in each part of us, there is this aching, there is this longing for Eden, for that place, to walk with God in the cool of the day, to know him and to be known by him. Amen. This deep spiritual sound that you cannot hear with your ears. Amen. But it's the sound in the spirit. Revelation, the last chapter in the Bible, chapter 22, verse 17. The Bible said the spirit, capital S, that's the Holy Spirit, and the bride, that's the church. The spirit and the bride say, come. Let anyone who hears this say, come, 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 come. Let everyone who is thirsty come, come, come. Let anyone who desires drink freely from the waters of life. There is this clarion call in the spirit realm from our own inherited memory of Adam and Eve and also connected to the Holy Spirit that's alive in this world because no one comes to the Father unless the Spirit draws them. And our own DNA and the Spirit and then the Bride of Christ. Amen. When you're driving through St. John and you're praying, oh, Jesus, bring them in. Jesus, my, my family needs to be saved. There is a Spirit call in the heavenlies, it's also in your very being that says, come home. Come home. You can call it nostalgia, that, that longing for all things. It's humanity crying out for its roots. Amen. And so Adam lost it in the garden, but we miss it. But in another garden, 4,000 years later, Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, wept and, and sweat great drops of blood in agony, amen, so that we could be restored to the garden. Amen. He went to the cross for our restoration. He paid the price for our restoration, amen, to the garden. I'm a, sorry, I'm an 80s guy, but in the 80s, Randy Stonehill sung a song. He's a Christian artist. He said, the last time I saw Eden, the gates were bound with chains, and the angels cried, you'll enter here no more. And I, but I can't get it out of my mind, and the vision still sends chills up my spine. Like a ghost, I can never leave it behind. The last time I saw Eden, Eden. and now even in crowds I feel alone. I'm an orphan aching for home and longing for the mystery that I have known the last time that I saw Eden. See, you are hungry for God. Amen. You are hungry for God. Amen. A, a, a man in, called John Mellencamp, who was a secular singer in 1989, two years after I graduated from Simon's High School, sung this. It's secular singer, no connection to Christianity. He said, there's a void in my heart I can't seem to fill. And I got a big house on the hill and $100 in my pocket, and it didn't buy a thing, but there's a void in my heart. And then he said, I, I do charity work when I believe in the cause of my soul. It bothers me still 
Lord, you made me like I am. Can you heal this restlessness? Will there be a void in my heart when they carry me out to rest? I just can't seem to fill this void. He said, I sang my song for millions of people. I sang good and bad songs, and now there's a void in my heart. Amen. You too, a band in 1987, said this and sung this, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Amen. In the Netherlands, in Europe, Christianity is a mess. I'm embarrassed by Christianity in Europe. The, 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 the holy, so-called holy wars, there was nothing holy about them. And then the so-called Reformation and the battles where even Calvinists burned Catholics at the stake. All kinds of weird, crazy things happened. And, you know, it happened in the Netherlands where I'm at. And then religious state-run religions that were so sad and just destroyed the culture. I'm embarrassed uh, by Christianity, but not by Christ. And so I meet so many atheists. And they're like, I don't, want, I don't want anything to do with God or the church. Jack and Diana came in our, that's a song, by the way, isn't it? But that's true. They're named Jack and Diana. Okay. Um, they came into our house. He's an accountant. And he said, I want you to know I don't mind coming. I don't mind helping you with accounting. I don't mind being your friend, Al, but I don't want God or the church. Please, nothing to do with it. But the second time he came into our house, second or third time, he stopped working and he said, I, I got to just say this, I don't know what's going on, but there's an energy in your house. There's something that's coming off of you guys. What is this thing that I'm feeling? And we saw several people that were atheists, amen, that came because we invited them and said, I don't want it, but I like your coffee. Because <laughs> we have coffee after church, and I like you, and I like hanging out. And I love the sense of community here, but I don't like God, don't believe in it. Amen. But just give them a couple times, and they'll come to you. And they're like, oh, there's something going on that I've never felt before. Amen. There's something going on that I've never felt before. Because you weren't created for God. I mean, you were created for this deep, deep, moving, powerful unction. You were, you were created for the deep things of God. And Old Testament, of course, much was hidden uh, before the cross. And Matthew 13 said, These many prophets and righteous men desired to see the things which you see and haven't seen them, and to hear the things you hear and have not heard them. Amen. So for, for the vast amount of humanity and even generations, there was a hunger that could not be totally filled. Amen. But because of the precious blood of Jesus, the Bible said he tore down the wall between us. Amen. And when he said it is finished, that veil, which the book of Hebrews calls our flesh nature, his flesh was broken and the veil was torn down ushering us into the very glory of God. Amen. What is so cool? Amen. I had ADHD when I was young, and they didn't diagnose it. They diagnosed it as uh, my parents didn't beat me enough. <laughs> but they say, don't worry, you'll get old, and it will go away. That's only most of the time. It didn't with me. 
If I wasn't preaching today, I'd have a hard job sitting there listening to me. Because <laughs> I'm still hyper. But everything is restrictions. I'm married with two adult children. I'm going to be a grandpa in June. And I still feel restricted. It's like, ah! But guess what? In the presence of God. Whoo! <laughs> wow. <laughs> in the presence of God. Amen. There is so much joy. There is so much experience. There is so much ability to soar and to move and to go and to flow. Amen. That in the presence of God, there ain't no ADHD. There ain't no autism. Amen. When you get in the presence of God, there is a flow. There is a fulfillment in the presence of God. Amen. There is joy unspeakable. Amen. The Lord spoke to me, he reached for souls, and they all cost the same. They all cost the blood of Jesus, right? So if they smell bad, if they're mentally challenged, they cost, that means their value to the church is precisely, exactly the same. It doesn't matter. You say, oh, yeah, yeah, we're sure, we're going to be like, no, you're just like Peter when, Right? They struggle with it in the New Testament. We struggle with it. Profiling groups of people. Amen. And so we, I remember we were planting a church and this couple came in. And they had a really, really nice car. And they were new, nice kids. And they were married. It was like, this is like a whole family. And they were like, hey. They called me pastor and stuff. It was like so cool. You know. Didn't say bad words in my house. It was just wonderful. I'm like, we were so excited. It's like, oh, we got a new whole family. And uh, this is what I found out. That whether you have a nice car and a nice looking family or not, you're just broken. <laughs> you're just as broken as the next guy sitting over there. <laughs> right? I don't know why I need to say this. Amen. But we just need to love each other. Because we have great value to the kingdom of God. <laughs> Amen. There's a guy, his name is Bob, and Bob don't know how to say his name very well. And he's like 50-some years of age. And uh, my brother Brent gets to pastor him now. And uh, I said, Bob, you can say your name backwards, and it's still Bob. And he didn't, he didn't even get that. But when he feels good, he rocks. And when he feels real good, he rocks. Even And, and he sits there. And, uh, but when he speaks in tongues, when he worships God, you see, all of that just kind of goes to the back. It don't matter if you're rich or poor. It don't matter what people think about you. Amen? One guy, we were praying him through the Holy Ghost, and it was like, he had such massive tongue rings that kept getting in the way. He was speaking in tongues. Eh, and he stopped, put his hand, took the ring out so he could speak in tongues properly. Amen. Because there is so much. I was in Scotland ministering, and this girl, because you don't know what they're feeling, right? And so you talk to them. And so this girl was sitting in the front after service was over, and uh, she had a great experience with God, and she was just sitting there like this. Like she was afraid to move, and I just crept up right I'm like are you okay 
And she goes, yeah. And her eyes are like this. I said, are you, are you, are you feeling okay? He said, yes. I just don't want to move. This is the first time in my entire life. She had, I realized then she had tears starting down her face. She said, this is the first time in my entire life that I found out that someone loves me. She had never heard the words, I love you, aimed at her. Amen. But the love of God had, was so thick in that place that you could hardly stand. <laughs> Man, the glory of God. Wow. The Why would we want anything else? You know, we're, it's like the Old Testament. He said, you've made broken cisterns. You've, you've tried to catch rainwater in barrels. And you've rejected me, the fountain of living water. Why don't we just say, I'm going back to the glory of God. I'm going back to the moving of the Spirit. I'm going back to the, wow, where it's just, whoo. Man, what is this I feel? <laughs> it's the Holy Ghost. It's the power of God. It's the living God. Amen. Last night, of course, because I'm speaking here at this great church today, I said to Carl and, and, and Janessa, I said, do you mind just leave me a couple hours? And they said, yes. And they went shopping. <laughs> because I needed two hours, not to study. I already had the message, but to be quiet. It's, a, it's the thing that is most difficult for me in my entire life is to shut up. But this is what I found. If I can just sit and turn everything off, right, and turn social media off and everything, just put it aside and just sit there and say, Jesus, I love you, and just wait, and just wait, and not be wordy in prayer, not to try to preach at God, but just, just to be in his presence, and all of a sudden, yet yeah, the, the presence of God and... And then I'm like, oh, okay, I'm there. <laughs> I can do tomorrow. I'm not afraid. Because there's this place that's undefinable, but some of you know what I'm talking about, where his presence and his glory and, and his peace. I, I've got to stop. But there is the outline of the tabernacle that is really moving to me because it's old. Uh, the tabernacle was... Uh, portrayal of the Holy Ghost and the New Testament experience. And the Bible said that there was a court, or an outer court and a court. And if you study the Old Testament, it was a very busy, busy place. Everyone could come, right? Didn't matter your gender, didn't matter your culture, didn't matter. But, and everyone was there. And it was a large place and lots of action. And lots of praise happened there. And uh, it represented physical, the physical person. Because they got to show up. You could say, oh, look at you. You're here. And so then, if you go past there, you would go into the Holy of Holies. And there's less people. The only people that were in there were the Levites, a specific tribe that ministered. So it's less people, but still lots of people could get into the holy, of, uh, holy place. And there was, this was a place of ministry. This is like that, that nerve center over there the, where all the, the smart people, you know, they do ministry over there and they, they dream about things that you have to give to, you know. 
This is the place of ministry. It represents the mind. It represents action and activity and good things. But then through the veil, you go into the holy of holies, and that's, that's very quiet. And only the high priest, and he's only allowed in there once a year, the holy of holies. And it's not busy, and the noise is out there. But that is the place that represents spirit. That's the part that God wants to engage in every one of our lives. The Holy Spirit. And when Jesus died, he said, it is finished, and the veil was torn. And Hebrews calls the veil his flesh. So, so I asked this question, what part of the Holy of Holies did Jesus die for? And unequivocally, I would have to say that Jesus died for the Holy of Holies. Jesus died to get you into the Holy of Holies. Now, I believe in all of our stuff, but Jesus didn't die so we could sing good. Because you are a great, have a great worship team, but it's not as big, and you don't dance nearly as much as David and the, the, the team that they had in the Old Testament. They had a culture of dancing. Right, you, Jesus didn't die so you could just dance or that you could just sing gospel songs or that you could lift your hands because they already did all that. Those are Old Testament songs. Lift your hands in the congregation and shout unto the Lord. Those are biblical. We need to do that. But that's, that's not what Jesus died for because you already had that. He, he died to get you into the Holy of Holies. He died to engage the inherited memory <laughs> so that you could walk with him so that you could know him let's stand together if you're here and you're backslid away you you know you can't sleep at night if if you're not where you were 10 years ago you know there is still that something called dissatisfaction Amen. And if you've got busy with the holy place and you haven't been to the holy of holies, this is what you'll find, that ministry by itself is not satisfying. Amen. You know what I found? It's good to wash dishes for my wife once in a while. It's nice when I vacuum the floor. She likes it. But I didn't have two kids by washing dishes and vacuuming the floor. Right? Like you don't see someone with a lot of kids and like, whoa, you must have been like washing the car. <laughs> like, like that helps. But we won't go there. That's a different class. <laughs> but you produce not out of busyness, you produce out of intimacy. Right? Do I need to, the class? You know, right? So what you do is great for God, and that's necessary, but you produce spirit out of spirit. I just, I need you, Jesus. I need you, Jesus. Uh, uh.
here. He's here. And you want it deeply in your spirit, but you've got to crawl past all that stuff that's been filling your mind. All the conversations you have, the hypothetical in your brain. And you gotta, you got to get past that into the quietness. See, the outer court is about physical. Praise is good and it's necessary. It's, but it's seven Hebrew words all come, for praise all mean some physical action. I praise Him. But worship, where, where praise is physical, worship is the giving up of physical. Because worship is surrender. I love you, 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 I love you. I love you, Jesus. You say, I'm not used to that. I'm new at this. It's it's in you to do it. It's in you to love him. It's in you to go after him. To not be satisfied. Can you just reach for the Lord right now? Someone has deep wounds in your spirit from horrible things that you've gone through. There's healing in the presence of God. Your betrayal, your hurt, the things your family has suffered. There's healing and refreshing in the glory of God. Thank you for joining us today. If you want more information, connect with us on our website at missionpoint.ca. God bless you.